This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Awesome. Hey, I want to give you a, an update on our building progress and, and what we're doing uh, right now. We, uh, about two weeks ago, we, we took our, our plans into a preliminary meeting for the Architectural Review Board at Byram, or, or in Byram, and, and long story short, they told us we need to go back to the drawing board that, that uh, this, this road out here, Sidewell Road, is, is called the S2 Corridor, and it's within the last two years, they've tightened restrictions on what could be on the, the exterior of the, of the building, and so about 90% of what our architect had on the exterior of the building, they said you can't use and so we have to we have to go back and and evidently he didn't research it well enough to get the right thing on there and so um, that's where we are now we had to go back and so we're in the process our architect is he's he's getting the the right material and then we have to go present it to them and and they're going to say yeah go for it or so that's what we're believing for anyway right and so just want to let you know that and uh, and just just to say this you know we can have we can have two attitudes towards this, and, and just honestly, as I mentioned last week, you know, I've, this has been a, a challenge, this has been a battle for me personally, and I haven't handled it real well in, in every sense of the word, and you know, with my attitude, and so I've, I've gotten a little out of sorts with, with people a little bit, and some of it need, they needed to be out of sorts with, and, and so, you know, we've, we've made some changes with our partnerships and who we're working with, and we've, we've let some people go, and, and, but we're moving forward. Um, but my attitude hasn't been altogether great in this, and, and so I've told, told you this last week. And, and so we can, either, we can either be complainers or we can be believers, right? We can, we can either seek God and trust God for his hand and his help, or we can just whine and cry about it and complain about it. And look, there's nobody who wants, wants to see this thing done more than me. I am. I, I was hoping we would be in by now, and so we, we haven't started. But here's the deal. We've got one opportunity to get this exactly the way we want it, right? And so once it's done, it's done. That's what we have to live for, live with. And so uh, all the, we're not dragging our feet at all. Pastor Paul, he's, he's working really hard on this and communicating and if he weren't doing it I'd have to be doing it so he's he's communicating with a lot of people you know just kind of getting the pieces together and uh, so we are we're working really hard at it just want to let you know that we're, we're working very hard and you know when we started this this project I had all my friends who, who had built buildings churches in the past they say, hey, look, I know you're going to think you're the exception to the rule, and this is just going to be really easy, and it's just going to fly through, but there's going to be challenges along the way, so you just need to resolve yourself to be patient, and yeah, I was one of those, oh, no, we're going to just breeze right through this. This is going to be awesome, so we've hit some challenges, and, and look, the enemy is not going to just let us, and I'm not just blaming all, all this on the enemy. People are involved, and people do some, make bad decisions, and we can make bad decisions, but um, the enemy's not just going to stand by idly and just let us build something for the kingdom without resisting. And uh, if we were building a bar, we'd have been in a year ago. I mean, if, 
he, he would have supernaturally helped us do that, right? And so, but we're not building a bar. We're, build, we're building a place to, to reach people for Christ. And so it's going to get done. And uh, I, I just want to, you know, appreciate all of you who are faithful in your giving towards this. You know, right now we're not spending any money. We're not, we're not spending any money right now. And, uh, but we are going to be spending a lot of money real soon. And we have spent money, but, we, you know, whatever, whatever we don't have to borrow is great. So just want to thank all of you who you're who are faithful to give towards this. If, you, if you're looking for an opportunity to give and, uh, towards this project, you can do that. Just note it, mark it on your envelope, building, and, and we'll know exactly what that's for. All right? So that's kind of where we are. You say, well, when are we going to start? I have no idea. And, you know, the, a few weeks ago I stood up and I told you, hey, we're going and, and we're probably going to be ordering our building, you know, this week. That didn't happen. I'm not making any more promises to you. Uh, you're going to know when we're building, when you see something coming up out of the ground. So that's, and, uh, but I just want to let you know, we are working hard at it. We're not dragging our feet. We're still going forward with this. And we're just, we're just a little, we've got to just re, redo some things. And, and so that's fine. We'll get it. And uh, I've, I've argued and I said, hey, you know, there's other buildings on this road right here that don't meet that same standard you're telling us we have to meet and and then they said well they're 300 feet off the road okay so uh so we're, we're gonna jump through the hoops and we're gonna get it done all right so everybody say i'm not gonna be a complainer i'm gonna be a believer all right so let's don't pour gas on it man let's just let's 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 all work together and it's going to get done all right Praise God. Well, welcome to part four of our series. We're calling it You Asked For It. And so we've, we've, we've hit a number of different questions that you've had from our survey, like, you know, how do we deal with difficult people? We, we talked about that last week. And so this week we're going to talk about how to have a happy marriage. No connection between the two, okay? <clears throat> or it might be a connection between the two. I don't know. But uh, we're going to talk about how to have a happy Marriage and not just to you say well. I'm not married. This doesn't apply to me Well, this is this is how to have a ha happy relationships No matter what those relationships are, you know the life is full of relationships And so we want our relationships See not so much drama. Is that right? You know, we're we're not teenagers anymore We most of us in here are grown so it shouldn't be less and less drama So we're gonna talk about how to have a happy marriage in preparation for this message this morning I, I just I, I was reading some different articles and you know and about where the the state of the union of marriage is right now and you know there's been a long-held belief that that 50 percent of all first-time marriages end in divorce and y'all probably heard that right half marriages end in divorce well that's a 1970s research and so a lot of people are still quoting 1970s research and so really the state of marriage is not that bad it's not it's not 50 percent it's more like 30 to 40 percent of first-time marriages end in divorce but how many of you know that's not very good either especially when the the word says that god hates divorce he hates it and so uh <clears throat> you know we 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 know we need to try to call that down to zero percent especially among christians among believers that that number ought to be zero now if you've been divorced it's not the unpardonable sin god forgives you can move on and you can have you can get married again and you can have a happy marriage right 
Uh, but here's, here's the thing I, I, I think we need to, to state, and, and I would like to say state the obvious, but I don't think it's so obvious that a lot of people think that marriage will make you happy. Let me just say this, marriage will not make you happy. If you're unhappy before you're married, and you bring that into the marriage, you're going to have an unhappy marriage, right? Because marriage won't make you happy. As a matter of fact, there's nobody who can make you happy. Let me say it again. There's nobody who can make you happy. I just want somebody to make me happy. I want to marry someone who will make me happy. I just want my spouse to do what they're supposed to do so I, I can be happy. You're in for a lot of disappointment because nobody can make you happy. So this is what the, the research that I, that I found just from a couple of years ago. Uh, they, they asked the participants along this survey, they, they, they said, state, state, the, the condition of your marriage or describe the condition of your marriage. And it's a multiple choice. Is it, is it, do you have a happy marriage? Do you have a happy enough marriage? Or would you describe your marriage as unhappy? And so here's the results. One third of the people, one third of the couple surveys said they had a happy marriage. One third. So 33%. One third said that their, their marriage was happy enough. In other words, just kind of mediocre, average. We're getting by. There's really, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's happy enough. And then one third said that their marriage was, they would describe their marriage as unhappy. Unhappy. And then it's no, no wonder why then 30 to 40% of all first-time marriages end in divorce because about 33% of couples who are married say that their marriages are unhappy. Now, some people, even in an unhappy marriage, will just stick it out. They might stick it out for the kids. They might stick it out because they realize it doesn't make financial sense to get divorced. Uh, and, and they'll just stick it out for all kind of reasons. But how many of you believe that God has something greater for the marriage relationship other than just sticking it out, other than just getting by, other than just being happy enough or unhappy? I mean, marriage is to be a reflection of the relationship between Christ and his church. It's to be a glorious union is to be, I mean, it's to be filled with so much glory and so much happiness and joy. That's the way that God foresaw marriage to be. And so we got one third who say they're happy, one third say that they're happy enough, and then one third say we're not happy at all. And that's why there's, you know, the divorce rate is 30 to 40%. And so I want to, I want us to, I want us to, to see something from the word of God today. And the why it is that there's so many happy enough and unhappy marriages. As a matter of fact, I want to I want to I want us to see from the Word of God today the cause, the nemesis of every failed relationship, whether it be marriage, where it may, whether it be friendships, whether it be parent and children relationships. I want to give you the cause. I want to give you the the problem of every failed relationship. And this is what you need to know about God. God is not complicated at all. He is not complicated. He, he gives us very direct, simple instructions. And if we will do these instructions, if we will do what he says, things will work out for us. And it's the same in marriage. I mean, it's marriage, having a happy marriage is not complicated, but it will be difficult. How many of you know there's, there's a difference between being something being simple and then something being easy? 
How many of you know that? Some, there's, you know, losing weight. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science, is it? It's not rocket science. I mean, it's very simple, but how many of you know eating right and exercising, sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do. Okay, and so very simple directions. And so let, let me pray for us, and then we're going, we're going to find out what God says about this. Okay, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I, I thank you for every single person here. I thank you for every marriage in here. And no matter what the state of each of these marriage unions are, Lord, I know that from your word that they can improve, that they can become more glorious, and they can better reflect the, the standard that you have set in your word. And so, Lord, I thank you for speaking to us this morning, giving us answers, giving us solutions. In Jesus' name, amen. So notice, I want you to notice what God says about this. And very simple instructions in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Y'all read it with me. I mean, it's, it's three words, three words. Y'all read it with me. Don't be selfish. All right, everybody, we can go home now. If you want to know how to have a happy marriage, if you want to know how to have happy relationships, this is it. You say, well, no, it's got to be more than that. This is it. Don't be selfish. Everybody say it again. Say, don't be selfish. The tendency of the flesh is to be selfish. You came out of the womb selfish. Right? And so the tendency of our flesh is to be selfish. And, and so to counter that, it will hurt. It will be painful. It will be difficult not to be selfish. But if you want to know what the key to happy relationships are, a happy marriage is don't be selfish. I'm going to give you a piece of news that's going to shock you. This, this isn't from a study, but this is just common sense. <clears throat> There's never been a case where two people lived a selfless life who ended up in a divorce court. There's never been a marriage in the history of the world where two people who lived a selfless life ended up in the divorce court. Ended up divorced. Why is it so quiet? So, oh no, that can't be true. I've been selfless all my life. <laughs> all right. But the cause of every fragmented, failed, unhealthy relationship is selfishness. All the human woes we see in the earth right now is a result of selfishness. Are you listening? Selfishness. So as a follower of Christ, you and I need to follow these directions right here. Very simple. Now, how many of you understand what he said? Don't be selfish. When is it a good time to be selfish? Is there ever a good time for you and I to be selfish? The answer is no. There's never... A good time. So let me give you a definition of what selfishness is. Selfishness, it means to be excessively or exclusively concerned for oneself 
or one's own advantage, pleasure, or welfare, regardless of others. Selfishness means to be excessively or exclusively concerned for myself. I'm just, I'm concerned for myself. I'm concerned about my own advantage. I'm concerned about my own pleasure, my own welfare, what I want, what I desire, what I need, what I'm entitled to. That is selfishness. Amen. And in all of this, what I want, what I desire, what I'm entitled to, all of this at the exclusion of anybody else on the planet or anybody else in my house or anybody else in my bedroom. I want what I want. I want what I desire. I'm entitled to something. I deserve something. I deserve to be treated in a certain way. The opposite of selfishness is selflessness. That's the opposite. Or we could say the opposite of selfishness is love. But a lot of times that doesn't equate to us, equate with us. Love, because we just, love, oh, love, love. But love is selfless. Are you listening? Love is selfless. Love will always put the other person first. Love doesn't just think about what I want, my advantage, what I can get out of it, what I, what I need, what I desire, what I feel, what... Love does not think, and selflessness doesn't think that way. If we're living a selfless life, we're not thinking about us exclusively or predominantly. We're thinking about somebody else. We're thinking about that other person in this relationship. Amen. So let me give you three characteristics of what a selfless person looks like. Now, how many of you want, no matter where your marriage is, no matter where your relationships are, how many of you believe they can be better? How many of you desire them to be better? I mean, whether it be in your school, whether it be on your job, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be with your children, I want to show you from the Word of God how to move it from an unhappy place to a happy place, or a happy enough place to just a really happy place. And everybody wants that. You know, nobody, nobody got married in here. There, there's not a person who got married in here, and you were thinking the goal in your mind was, you know, we're gonna, it's going to be good for a year. And then the goal is for the wheels to come off, and for us just to be unhappy. No, we got married. Man, this, this is the person of my dreams. They are my soul mate. <laughs> Y'all remember saying all that goofy stuff? <laughs> they're my soul mate. They're, they're, my, 
they're my better half, and we, and we convinced everybody that they're my better half, and then we pretended like that, you know, there wasn't going to be any trouble. But let me tell you, Paul said that you're going to have trouble in the flesh in your marriage. Paul said, look, if you get married, you need to know this, you're going to have trouble in your flesh. And the reason that you're going to have trouble in your flesh because you're going to have to crucify your flesh daily if you're going to have a good marriage or good relationships. And so that although the instructions to us are very simple, carrying these things out is very painful to your flesh. That's why people don't do it. But the pain that they experience from not doing it in the end is going to be far worse than the pain of crucifying your flesh daily. Failed relationships hurt. Failed marriages hurt. Right? So here's three characteristics. Number one, a selfless person esteems others as better than himself. Now, we've all kind of grown up. You've probably heard this. Your mama probably told you this. You come home from school crying and somebody said something bad about you or treated you in a certain way and your mama said, Honey, there ain't nobody better than you. Don't let anybody treat you like they are better than you. Nobody, anybody ever hear that before? Nobody is better. Only three people have heard that before, okay. (laughs) Nobody's better than you. But notice what the scriptures say. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, the second part of that verse where he said, don't be selfish. Notice the next part of this verse. Be humble. Now, have we talked about humility lately? If you've been here, we talked about humility. Humility means that you lower yourself, that you come up under, that you bow low. That's what humility is. So he says, be humble, bow low, lower yourself, thinking of others as better than yourself. So a selfless person esteems others as better than themselves. He didn't say that they are better than you. He just said treat them like they're better than you. Now, we don't like that, do we? Because that means I've got to, as, as a follower of Christ, that means I've got to do something if I'm following him. I've got to treat you like you're better than me. And the flesh doesn't like that. And and our pride does not like that. Why? Because we want to be the better one. We want to be the higher ranked one. We want to be the most important one. This is good. So he said, if we're going to move, if we're going to move through this unhappy state to a happy state there's some characteristics that have to be in our life we've got to live a selfless life and what does a selfless life do it esteems others as better more important than myself yeah but what if they're not what if they're not more important he said treat them like they are more important treat them like they are well, you don't know how my husband treats me. He doesn't deserve anything. Treat him like he 
Treat him like he does deserve something. Treat him as more important. So he didn't say that they are better. He said, treat them like they are. Esteem them. Treat them. Think of them as more important than yourself. Amen. Number two, a selfless person prefers others before himself. So selflessness, or we can say it like this, love esteems others. Love prefers others. We can say selflessness esteems others. Selflessness prefers others. Do you prefer your spouse over you? Do you prefer them over you? Verse 4 says, don't, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others also. And this begins at home. We want to we put this off to, to somewhere else where it really doesn't make a difference. But where it really is supposed to make a difference is in our homes. And if you can't do this in your home, and if we can't do this in our home, we're a fake out there. You and I are no more spiritual than we are at our house. But I read my Bible every day. That's awesome. We ought to read our Bible every day. We ought to pray every day. But you're, that doesn't, praying and reading your Bible is not a guarantee that you're going to grow up. You got to be a doer of God's word. And you and I are no more spiritual. You know, I'm not as spiritual as you think I am. <laughs> Maybe you didn't think I was spiritual at all. So, that's a, so let's lower the expectations a little bit then. But, uh, you know, Tammy and I, we, we have problems sometimes. We deal with stuff. She has to deal with my attitude. I got to deal with her attitude. We have kids that are preteens and teenagers, and we got to deal with that. They've got to deal with us. Are you listening? So if we can get this working at home, to those who are closest to us, those that we take for granted, those that we let our hair down in front of, those that we relax in front of, those that we are the, the, the realist in front of. Are you listening? Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others also. He said, well, you know, this is the way I feel. This is what I like. You ever been in a conversation with somebody and you say, and uh, you've seen them after a week or so, and or a few days, or a day, and they talk to you nonstop for thirty minutes or more about what's going on with them, how it's going, how you know, just, just, I mean, just talking it for thirty or forty minutes, and you checked out you know, 29 minutes ago, and but they, they keep talking, and then 
They come to the end, and they don't say these words necessarily, but you know what they mean, and they give you a chance to talk, and it's kind of like this. That's enough about me. Let me hear what you have to say about me. <laughs> you ever been in those conversations before? I have. It's exhausting, and, and quite frankly, it's a little bit sickening. And any time we put ourselves before others is quite sickening. Because God has called us to live a selfless life. Okay, so that's number two. And, and number three is one I just want to camp on for a few minutes. A selfless person serves others instead of himself. A selfless person. Now, I know this didn't like, this didn't knock your socks off revelation, but I found it, it's the basic thing. This is the simplicity that's in Christ that will really cause us to grow up and make a difference in our life. The simplicity that's in him. So a selfless person serves others instead of himself. Look at verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is a command that we are to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God. Now it doesn't get more important than that, does it? Being God, there's, nothing, there's no one more important than God. There's no more, one more powerful. There's no one that's got a greater title. There's no one that, that's got more authority. There's no one that should be deserving of our respect or our praise or whatever than God. And Jesus was God. He was with God. He was God. In the beginning, and he says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Yeah, but Pastor Chuck, you don't understand. I'm the head of my house. I am the king of my castle. I am the queen of this place. I am queen. I am, I am the queen bee. And people ought to treat me like I'm a queen. And people ought to treat me like I'm a king. Though he was God. Though he was God. He said, you've got to have this attitude in you. Though Jesus was God, he did not cling to those divine privileges. But what did he do? What did he do? Instead, he gave them up and he took the humble position of a slave. So here's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, I mean the, the, the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, and he says that he gave up those divine privileges, he humbled himself, and he became like a slave, and he said, you've got to have that same attitude. You've got to have the same attitude, and what is that attitude? You've got to have the attitude of I am a servant. I am a servant. I serve. I am a servant. And a servant, what does a servant do? And he's, talk, and he's talking very evidently about volunteer servant, servitude. And he says that, that Jesus gave up his privileges. Do you have privileges as being the, the king of your castle? Do you have privileges as being the queen? Yeah, there, there are privileges. 
But what are we supposed to do with those privileges? What are we supposed to do with it? Are we supposed to lord it because I, hey, I'm daddy. And when daddy says it, I mean, daddy ought to be, you know, daddy, this, this is it. Do we have privileges? Yeah. But what are we to do? We are to lay those aside. And we are to use that power and we're to use that authority to serve. Are you listening? Let me see. So, so Jesus did this, right? And so I want, us, I want us to go in the scriptures and just, I want, to see, I want us to see how Jesus just fleshed this out. Because not only did he have the attitude like this, he lived like this. In John the 13th chapter, beginning with verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and he had come from God and would return to God. Was Jesus secure in his place? Was he secure in who he was? He knew that, he knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. I mean, this, he is powerful. And he knew that he had come from God. And he knew that he was going to go back to be with God. So he was very confident and he was very secure in who he was. You know, people who have a hard time serving are insecure people. They think, well, if I do this, then people won't think that I'm, I'm up here. But if you can't do this... If you can't do this because you think that everybody ought to recognize you at this title and you can't do this. You know, it's not my job to pick up trash in the parking lot. But I pick up trash in the parking lot. Not because it's my job. Because it's my parking lot. <laughs> right? It's my parking lot. And so it, it has nothing to do, am I secure in my title? Absolutely. Am I secure in my authority? Absolutely. Does me doing something down here have anything to do with that? No, it really enhances that. So Jesus knew that he had come from God. He knew that he had been given authority over everything. He knew that he came from God. He knew that he would return to God. So he got up from the table... <laughs> This is amazing. He's talking about all this power, all this authority that he has. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. I mean, he, took, he began to do the job of the lowliest servant in the household. This job was for the lowliest servant in the household is to wash people's feet when they came into the house. Tammy and I used to do some teaching in some Bible schools over in Asia and other places, but specifically over in Asia. So anytime you'd go to one of these foreign countries and you teach, you know, they would give you kind of a quick crash course on just some culture etiquette, things that you should do, things that you should not do. And so I remember we were in, in uh, in Thailand, and first thing they did, we, they told us, said, look, you know, in, in America, you know how you cross your legs and you kind of, your feet's kind of wagging and everything, you know, when you cross your legs. And 
They said that that is very offensive if your foot is pointing towards somebody. So don't do that. It's very offensive to them. Why? Because the feet are the dirtiest part of your body. So back then, you know, they didn't have closed shoes like we have now. They wore more of a sandal-like thing. And so their feet would just get dirty. And so Jesus, what he did, he came, he, being, being God, having all this authority, know that he came from God, know that he was going back to God, knowing that he'd have authority over everything, he put a towel around his waist, and he began to do the lowliest job of the lowliest servant. He began to wash their feet. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter in verse 6, Peter said, Lord, you're going to wash my feet. And Jesus said to him, he said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And Peter protested, no, you're not going to wash my feet. I mean, that's, give one of the servants to wash my feet. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You're our teacher. You're our rabbi. You're God. You're not going to wash my feet. That, that's not your job. Your job isn't to serve. Your job isn't to, to do this thing. I mean, this is for the, the lowliest servant. And not just the lowliest servant. It's the lowliest job of the lowliest servant. You don't do that. And, and, and Jesus said... Uh, He said, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Then he said, well, just give me a bath then. Verse 12 says, and after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. You call me rabbi. You call me Lord. And you're right, because that's who I am. That's who I am. I came from God. I'm going back to God. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you, not if you know them, if you do them. You don't get blessed because you know something. You get blessed when you do something. And what was he telling them to do? Now, he wasn't just saying we ought to go go home and have foot washing service what he was the what he was emphasizing is that we need to serve each other and it doesn't matter how low we have to go to serve we have to serve each other and you might be saying with i know this i know my spouse isn't going to do this and so if i'm the only one who's serving in my house and i'm only and and you know, and I'm not taking account of me, and I'm not exclusively and excessively thinking about me and what I want and what I desire. If I don't do that, if, if, if I don't do that, and I just do all the serving, how's that going to make me happy? Here's where we run into an issue because you think, and I think, 
that my happiness is the result of what somebody else does to me or for me. But our happiness is not the result of what somebody else does for us. Our happiness is based on what we do for somebody else. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Your happiness does not hinge, your marital happiness does not hinge on what somebody else does for you. It, it hinges on what you do for your spouse. Jesus said it like this in John 15, 10. He says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And so what, what he was telling them, if you go back to chapter 13, he, was ta- he began talking to them about the new commandment, love each other like I loved you. The, the way that I loved you, that's the way you're supposed to love each other. And, how, you know, he laid down his life for us and he gave up his life for us and he esteemed us as more important than himself and he preferred us before his own feelings, right? He says, as I've loved you, you're to love one another. So he's talking to him about this in chapter 13, chapter 14, and he comes here to chapter 15. He said, I've told you these things and we think, man, if I do all this, that's not going to make me happy. That's going to make me miserable. If I start serving like this, I'm going to be miserable. Because I know what he's going to do. He's just going to sit around. And he's going to let me serve him. He's going, to, he's going to just sit there and he's going to just let me serve him. And he's not going to do anything. If I go in there, I'd start treating her like a queen. And waiting on her, she's going to just, she's going to just, she's going to get it all up in her head. She's going to just be the queen. She's not going to do anything. And that's not going to make me happy. It's going to make me irritable. Jesus said, I've told you things not to burden you, not to make you unhappy. He said, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. How are you going to be filled with his joy and your joy is going to overflow when you obey his commandments? He goes on to say, this is my commandment. So if you're wondering what he's talking about, love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. What did he say? He said, if you, if you want to have this happy marriage, what are you going to do? Lay down your life. But if I lay down my life, they're going to treat me like a doormat. Lay down. Boy, this is, this, this is going over like, like a lead balloon. <clears throat> lay down your life. What did Jesus do? He served us. He served us without any strings attached. Did, did, I mean, did he know if we would reciprocate and that we would begin to love him and follow him just because he served us? He had no indication of that. He did it not. He did this for us. He didn't do it for himself. 
But in the end, we know that it kind of did do it for himself because how many of you know he was anointed with the oil of joy even above all of his brothers? Why? Because he was a servant. So selflessness, a selfless person esteems the other as better than himself. A selfless person prefers the other besides himself. A selfless person serves the other. You know, what if we all did this? What if you just went home and you began to do this and we just began to, to serve each other? What of our biggest arguments, what of the biggest fights in our house and in our marriage was who's going to get to serve who right now? I mean, what if somebody came up to you and said, yeah, you know what? You know, me and my wife, we've only been married a couple of years. I know y'all been married for a little bit longer than that. Do y'all ever argue? He said, yeah. What is y'all's arguments about? I mean, what do y'all fight over? Oh, we fight over who's going to get to serve each other. We, we, we fight over who's getting to serve who. Who gets to vacuum today? No, I, I want to vacuum. No, 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 I want to vacuum. No, I want to vacuum. I want to do the dishes. No, 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 I want to. <laughs> Pastor Chuck, that's below me. You know, sometimes I have the attitude, I come home and I've been at work all day. Tammy's been home doing nothing. <laughs> she, she just sits around, does nothing all day except teach the kids and, and uh, fold laundry, do the laundry, the dishes, the floors, feed the dog, work on church stuff. But other than that, she doesn't do anything. So I come home. And I think, you know, I'm going to just sit here. And I'm going to be king. <laughs> king Chuck. <clears throat> what did Jesus do? He laid all that aside. Yeah, but I'm so tired. He laid all that aside. He laid it all aside. And what did he do? He refused to be selfish. He refused to be a selfish person. And we're supposed to have the same attitude. What, what's the, you know, I said all, that whole message. But it comes back to these three words. If you want a happy marriage, if you want happy relationships, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Say it with me. Don't be selfish. So that's not the problem. That's the problem. Every time, every failed, fragmented relationship, don't be selfish. Adultery, selfishness. Overspending, selfishness. Are you listening? Everybody say it. Don't be selfish. Arguing, arguing. Why? What is it? Selfishness. Well, I got wants too. I got desires too. 
selfish. And you think it's going to be painful. And it will be painful on your flesh. But the fruit that an unselfish life will produce is going to be so much more enjoyable than you just getting that momentary little win of having your way. That's really good preaching. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you're, you're bringing our marriages up. Lord, I thank you that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers of it. In Jesus' name. And Lord, the only way that we can live like this is to have your love in us. And your love comes in us when we're born again, when we receive Christ. And so, Father, I pray for anyone in here who's never given their whole heart and their whole life to Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would draw them to yourself right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody getting up, moving around right now. I just want to ask a question. If you were to walk out of this place today, and this was your last day, and you went and you stood before the, the Father of God in heaven, he said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your response be? You know, a lot of people say, well, I'll just tell God that I've tried my best and I've worked my hardest and I tried to be a good person, so I think he ought to let me into heaven because I've been a good person. Friend, did you know that you can't get into heaven that way? The only way that you can get into heaven is just completely surrender your life right now and come only on the basis of what God did for you in Christ. He gave up his life unselfishly for you. And all he's asking you to do this morning is just to receive him. And if you've never done that, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but just right there in your seat, I want to pray for you. So I'll just count to three, and if you've never done that and you want to do that this morning, you just raise your hand and I count to three. Here we go. One, two, three, right now. Anyone in here looking across the room? All right. All right, say it with me again. Say, don't be selfish. Amen.